Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 802 The Time, Hour 2 here on Sports 56. Mornings, Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure's Christmas sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. For you procrastinators out there, last-minute gift ideas they have for you at Family Leisure. Currently clear, 36 degrees, actually partly cloudy. Today, we're looking at a partly sunny day with a high of 61 degrees tonight, overcast with a low of 40s, or in the 40s. Second hour of the program is brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. It's always a good time for jewelry, right? Everybody loves a nice piece of jewelry, especially your loved ones. And if you are still in search of that special gift for that special someone, head on over to James Gaddis Jewelers at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They, of course, are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. So many folks got engaged or married during the 2023 year, and they bought their beautiful diamond rings and their their, uh, wedding rings from James Gaddis Jewelers. And therefore, in 2024, I suggest that James Gaddis Jewelers is one of the jewelers you check out when you are looking for that very, very important diamond ring, personally designed wedding sets, or anything as far as that's concerned, because they are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. But they're more than that. You're looking for watches of all types, bracelets and necklaces and earrings and pendants. They have it for you. Plus estate and vintage jewelry, custom-made jewelry, It's more than just one of those big box shops. You go in there, you get that one-on-one attention, and they will take care of that jewelry throughout its lifetime. You need a cleaning, you just bring it back in to James Gaddis Jewelers because they treat you like family. There are so many repeat customers. James Gaddis Jewelers for Christmas time or anytime. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. Before we bring on Brian Moss, you mentioned some of the rankings for SEC schools. Vanderbilt, certainly with a class of 40, number 40, they got to show some results. I'm not saying Clark Lee is out after this upcoming year if they have another dismal year, but they have to. The other team is Florida, and Florida looked like they did pretty well, as they always do. But for Napier, because I know last year— they lost a bunch. They they had a bunch— they they still did all right, but he lost like three guys who flipped, three very important guys who flipped. They did still got the big five star quarterback, but they lost some very important pieces of that recruiting class. They did, and even Florida State had players flip, right? Georgia stole Florida pl- uh, State player as well. Nebraska stole the quarterback from Georgia. I guess all is fair in love and war, but for Florida, with that five star quarterback, they're expected to step up, and if not, maybe. Your uh, prediction was just one year too shy because Billy Napier would be in a lot of trouble if they don't figure it out. Well, as I mentioned, the University of Memphis and Ryan Silverfield seem to be very happy with what they did as far as the early signing period, bringing in 34 new players. Of course, what's on paper and what's actually on the field are two different things. We'll see if it all pans out. And here to digest it all for us is Brian Moss. He's the publisher of 
The Tigers Sports Report, tigersportsreport.com, part of the Rivals and Yahoo Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at RivalsBMoss. Brian, how are you? Uh, doing pretty good. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. good. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. All right, so this is what you do. Uh, you work very closely with the recruiting and know all the, uh, the the guys that they were able to bring in. And if you don't, you, you do your homework to find out about them. How good a class is this, in your opinion, on paper for the University of Memphis? On paper, I think it's a better class than what the rankings say um, because – I know the inner workings at Rivals, you know, just like any corp, you know corporate, you know, place, you know, there's been some downsizing. So we don't have as many uh, evaluators as we used to. So that kind of hurts, uh, you know, the rankings. So you have fewer people evaluating more kids. So you'll see on paper there's more two stars um, this year than, than previous years. But the the ones that uh you know are on that have been ranked. I mean, you got to feel good about yourself if you're a Memphis fan, especially you know the four-star wide receiver that they were able to haul in. Uh, they fended off. Uh, I mean, he, Henry was committed to Purdue. Texas Tech was in there, uh, but you know, in the end, Memphis got him. And, and you needed some offensive line help, and you definitely got that with uh, Jonathan Young, uh, the, the JUCO kid from Fort Dodge, uh, Iowa. Uh, he, he's a good six six two eighty, so he'll play uh, tackle. Uh, he's one of the, the, the tackles I can praise. And, and but when you take a look at the the rankings, I, I know a lot of folks will point to the high school rankings where this year Memphis was only sixty fourth, and previous years you know Silverville got it into the you know the fifties and forties. But because of the transfer portal uh, nowadays, you know, I've said it publicly before, you know, I would trust the transfer rankings more than the high school rankings these days, especially if you're in the group of five, because uh, the the transfer portal is is where it's at. And when you take a look at that, Memphis was ranked 12th in the country, according to rivals. So, I mean, the 12th recruiting class, according to the transfer portal, I mean, that's a fantastic class for Memphis. Well, speaking of that, uh, obviously, the running back Mario Anderson, who was South Carolina's leading rusher last year, went for over 700 yards, averaged nearly five yards a carry in the SEC. Certainly, you would think that would translate. How were the Tigers able to get him over some of the big programs that uh, were, he was he had offers from? Well, when you take a look at them, I mean, the recruiting pitch to running backs uh, for the Memphis coaches is, is honestly pretty easy. All you have to do is point to the NFL and the plethora of, of players that that Memphis had at running back position or skill position that's in the NFL right now. You know, so it's easy to, to say, come to Memphis, uh, yet, you know, I don't want to say, yeah, we're not, uh, you know, power five level, but look at the, look at the results. It, it, the ultimate goal for players to be in the NFL, and if you're a running back, right now Memphis is running back university. And I spoke to Macari Bonifer, you know, the three-star running back out of Georgia, and that was his main thing. He's like when you take when you watch an NFL football game. He's like you're always hearing a running back from Memphis, running back from Memphis. And he's like, so you have to take a look at Memphis. And when he visited, you know, he he said his, the the facilities at Memphis are on par with with all the other facilities he, he went to, even Power Five. He's like Memphis facilities is better than some Power Five visits that he's been on. So when you you know if you're Mario and you take a look at that. You know, the facilities are, are top-notch. 
and you have an excellent chance to be the next Memphis running back to do the NFL, it's an easy pitch. Yeah, Bodiford's a big guy, 5'11", 222. Anderson, a little bit smaller at 5'9", 208, but with the experience of having played in the SEC. And I think your point's right on, Brian. You could also add to this. As far as Anderson is concerned, you had USC, you had Oklahoma, and schools of that ilk, right? That prestige going after him. The question is, though, if you go there, are you the fourth running back? Are you the third running back? Are you the fifth running back? You come to Memphis with the ability to battle to be the starting running back, to put up big numbers, and to get your shot in the NFL, and the proof's in the pudding, like you said, with the history of Memphis producing these NFL running backs. So uh, unless you are set, dead set, on wanting to play for a major school in a power conference, you get an opportunity to play at Memphis, put up big numbers, they're still going to play Florida State on the schedule. They'll still battle in the American with Tulane and UTSA, and I, I think it, it still gives you a chance, as you said, to reach your ultimate goal of playing in the National Football League. Yeah, and, and Memphis has uh, had you know two running backs before that have you know what was it Patrick Taylor and uh, 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 Henderson that had over a thousand yards each that one year, yeah, right? So and. So it's not out of the realm that, you know, if Anderson comes, and if you're a running back that's already on the Memphis roster, I mean, you're thinking, hey, you know, the way college football is played right now, the way Memphis plays, one running back is not getting the majority of the carries. So there's there's going to be uh, multiple running backs that will be plenty of opportunity. And, and all you have to do is take a look at, what was it, the 2018-2019 running back room? What was that, 3-4 uh Running backs that that were in that running back room are now in the NFL. So, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's enough to go around. Couple of local uh, area kids, Jordan Bell, the kid from Munford. What position is he projected to play at the college level? When I talk to him, he's he's they're looking him at strictly athlete. So he'll he'll get some time at wide receiver. But in my opinion, it's defensive back, whether it's going to be corner or safety. I think that's ultimately where he plays at Memphis. Because to me, there's to me there's more of a need, uh, you know, at defensive back uh, than wide receiver, uh, you know, for him. Uh, to me, when you look at his uh, high school film, uh, I, I love his tenacity on defense, and I think ultimately that's where he ends up is either cornerback or safety. And then another kid, Kavion Benton from Southwind. Um, what's your thoughts on him and what he can be at the next level? He's he's an an interesting <coughs> character because he he doesn't have to come in and play right away, um, but he has the ability to play right away. So when you take a look at him, he was he's six three, uh, roughly two hundred and forty five pounds uh, according to his rivals' profile. I mean, he had some offers where he could have gone elsewhere as well. Um, he had an offer from uh, Louisville, uh, Oregon. Uh, I know Florida State was looking at him, but they ultimately, I don't think they ever offered. But he, he had some top-notch offers, ultimately stayed home. I, I think he has a chance to get some early playing time, but give it a year, let him grow a little bit more, and he could be you know, another you know, Martin Effetti, uh, I, I, that's what he reminds me of. Just a, a high motor that, that can ultimately get a lot of sacks. With Tevin Carter moving on to Tennessee State, there is a need for a backup quarterback. There are some guys certainly 
on the roster that they feel capable of winning that job. But they brought in a true freshman by the name of Arrington Maiden. And I'm telling you, yesterday at the presser, Ryan Silverfield was grinning ear to ear about this young man. What do you know about him? Well, I interviewed him, and he's he's really, really excited to get to Memphis. He has a great relationship uh, with uh, Coach Cramsey. He loves the offense that uh, Memphis runs, and he knows uh, that Seth is the starter. And he, he, he said he's coming in to compete. But if he obviously, you know, he doesn't win the uh, the starting job, he is completely fine learning. And he said, Seth is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He goes, I can come in. I'm coming in at the right time. Learn the system. You know, learn from Seth. And when Seth graduates and uh, possibly goes to the NFL, he's primed to be the, you know, the next great Memphis running, uh, I mean, uh, Memphis quarterback. And he's, he's a guy that can, he, he can make all the throws. He has a great arm. Uh, his arm kind of reminds me of, of, of uh, Lynch or, or Ferguson. Duke can throw it a mile. Uh, but what's different about Maiden than the, those two, I think he has uh, better legs. He can run. Now, he, you know, when you talk to him, I ask him, what type of quarterback are you? Are you a pocket passer or are you, are you a runner? He doesn't, he doesn't see himself as a runner, but he has the ability to run. So he's more of a pass first. But he, he's, a, he's a natural-born leader. I mean, if you look at my YouTube channel when I interviewed him, he's very well-spoken, and I think Memphis fans are really, really going to like this kid. Obviously, you, you've seen it from the presser that, you know, the coaching staff loves him. But uh, this kid, it give him a year to really learn uh, the system, get, get a little bit of, uh, you know, playing time underneath him. And I think this he could be the next great Memphis quarterback. Yeah, Ryan Silverfield said that Cramsey came to him said, we have our quarterback of the future. We're going after this guy. It's, I don't know if they went after any other quarterbacks. They went after this guy, and they got this guy. Brian. Yeah, yeah there's, you always have a little backup plan just in case your, your first one runs out. So they looked at other quarterbacks, but yes. And, and Maiden felt that. He said uh, he, the Memphis staff made him feel like he was the only quarterback that they were looking at, even though he knew, he knew that wasn't true. Because obviously if Maiden didn't choose Memphis, they would have to find somebody else. But uh, Maiden said Memphis really made him a priority. He felt that. And after the first meeting, he, that's where he wanted to go. The Other than Anderson, the kids from the transfer portal, who are one or two you think can make big impacts? To me, I, I look at the, the offensive line. Uh, Trent Holler, uh, the offensive guard from Marshall, uh, you know, I'm not too big on the pro football focus grades, but it's a good measuring stick. I mean, he had a high uh, PFF rating. I think it was like 68.5, uh, which is a good rating. I think he can come in and, you know, be a start. Now, he could play center as well, so I don't know if Memphis will put him at center, but I, I definitely see him as a natural guard. So he, he's one to, to really look at uh, to, to get some playing time. And just the, the linebackers that uh, – you know that that came in that Memphis. Uh, in fact, the, the kid from Harvard. Um, I can't. His name's escaping me right now. Uh, but he, he's one that could fly all around. A Flaker from uh, North Carolina Central. He's another one. So they, they hit the the, the the transfer portal hard in the linebacker spot, and uh, and it, it's good to see because you know they've done well in the transfer portal last year and this year. So uh, look. Look for uh, some definitely some playing time and some starters out of this group. 
Matt Hudson is the kid from Harvard. Hudson, yeah, that's right. It's interesting when you look at some of these kids and their resume, how many schools that they've played for. And there's one, he's an offensive lineman, Calvin McMillan, 6'5", 290. He's from Mississippi. Went to Mississippi State, transferred to Southern Miss, then went to Holmes Community College, and now Memphis picks him up. Big offensive lineman. What do you know about yeah, him? McMillan, he's, uh, he's a kid. I, I know he had to go to the, 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 the JUCO route uh, for, for some grades, but he, he's a guy that loves to play football, and as long as those, those grades ain't an issue, I mean, he's definitely a, a deaf player that will push for playing time. The overall, Brian, is I don't, it felt like yesterday there was a lot of guys who flipped. Are we seeing more of these last-second flips than we have in the past, or is it is that just it's always been there, maybe we just didn't hear as much about it, or what? Yeah, it, it's always been there, but I think more and more it's the upper-level flips. I think okay. there's more upper level flips now than there there have been in the past because there's definitely been uh, you know flips. It's happened in Memphis before, um, but I but I, you know just the high profile flips yeah. is just becoming more common. I can't remember the guy who was uh, he was a, a Miami a Miami commitment flipped to I think Florida or Florida State and then signed yesterday flipped back to Miami. I mean. <laughs> It was uh, it was pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's always been there. I just think the it's becoming uh, you know more sens- sensationalized now because it's the higher profile kids that are flipping. Yeah, but isn't it simply because it's a bidding war? The one school will come in with Absolutely. a certain amount of money for NIL, then the next one comes in, then they wait on that one, and then they get the next offer from the original one. You know what I mean? It goes back and forth. It's it's an absolute bidding war for some of these players. That's why I think you're getting so many flips, and you're right, with a lot of high-profile players. Uh, there's a kid that comes from Indiana. Uh, he started at Ole Miss. He's a defensive lineman, Patrick Lucas Jr., 6'2", 320. Tell me about him. Uh, he's, uh, he's a good kid. Uh, he didn't get much playing time at, at Indiana. Uh, but I, I wouldn't worry about that because there's, you know, there's there's always kids that, uh, you know, maybe are not uh, upper echelon P5, you know, level, you know, players that, you know, you move a step down and, and they shine. And I think, uh, you know, Lucas can definitely be one of those. Uh, I mean, he's he's a hoss. Like you said, his size, um, another high motor guy. And, and, you know, if he could fit right in with Memphis, like I think he can, I mean, he's going to be a, a great uh, run stopper. Uh, I don't think he's as fast as like a Don Terry Poe, but he, to me, he's in that mold. He's strong, just like uh, Poe was. So we'll see what uh, you know what he does at Memphis. But he definitely has the potential to be a good defensive line uh, defensive lineman for Memphis. And then with special teams, they go out, they get another Aussie kicker uh, like Tom Hornsey. It is Joshua Sloan who comes from UTEP kicked in Australia, and they also get a place kicker, mentioned him earlier, that was at Ole Miss, and Caden Costa, who has a big leg. So it looks like uh, they did pretty well as far as uh, the kicker and the punter. Yeah, special teams should not be a problem. Uh, you know, I know uh, Costa, uh, he's perfect from uh, 40 and below. Uh, even even past 40 yards, I think he was 80-something percent, maybe, if, if memory serves uh, me correctly. I think he only missed 
three field goals uh, past 40 yards in his in his uh, college career. Um, so, and I believe he has at least two years of eligibility left. So, you know, his leg is not an issue. Uh, to me, accuracy, accuracy is not an issue. So, you know, for Memphis fans, they can breathe a, a sigh of relief that the kicking problems should be over now for <laughs> for Memphis. Although, let's give credit to Tanner Gillis. He did a he did a real nice job, and he did not being even listed as a kicker to begin the season. All right, so things look good at least on paper for now. And of course, after the game next Friday, Brian, you know there'll be a few more folks that'll be hitting the transfer portal from the University of Memphis, and uh, those those voids will have to be filled as well. It's uh, an ever-changing roster uh, for everyone around the country. Of course, Brian has you covered as far as Tigers fans are concerned. He's the publisher of TigerSportsReport.com, He's, which is part of the Rivals and Yahoo Sports Network. Join. I'm telling you, get your subscription today. Uh, you will uh, get all the information from Brian and other folks uh, at Rivals and Yahoo. You can follow him on Twitter at RivalsBMoss. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your family, Brian. And thank you so much. We'll talk to you in the new year. All right. You, you guys have a great one. Thanks. Take care. I've been telling folks a lot about City Brew Tours here in Memphis, new to Memphis. And that's what it is. is a, It's a, a company. And you go meet at the Peabody. You leave from there. You'll go tour three different breweries, the local breweries here in town. We've got a bunch of great ones which are uh, making some great, great beer. And I was able to do it this past weekend. One of the great things you may you may already enjoy some local beers. You'll find new ones that you didn't know about that you'll like. You, heck, I found a whole new brewery that I didn't even know was here in town that was absolutely fantastic in Cooper Young, the Cooper House project there. Well, I've got a couple of free passes for a city brew tour. That's right. A couple of free passes. So you could take a friend with you, make a great holiday gift. By the way, for the holidays right now, they've got a special going where you can get 20% off a City Brew Tour gift card. All you got to do is use the code HOLIDAY20 when you check out on the website. The website is citybrewtours.com slash Memphis. Again, use HOLIDAY20 in your checkout and you get 20% off any gift card from City Brew Tours. But how about 100% off a couple of passes? I've got two passes. Caller number 4, 360-8255, 360-8255. Caller number 4, two passes for City Brew Tours. All right, when we come back, he's coming to Minglewood Hall in February. He is comedian, actor Brad Williams. He joins us next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The, um... Brad Williams, the Starfish special that does come out today, um, really, really good. I'll be honest, I didn't know, I'd never seen any of his stuff before, um, but I watched the Starfish thing. <laughs> he is really good. He's really funny. There's some great stuff in that Starfish special. Actually, I think I'm going to try to go see him when he comes in February because right. he is really, really funny. Yeah, hopefully a lot of people come out to see him. He is, he is very talented. 
So the uh, the Florida State Board of Trustees is meeting today. They have called a meeting in order to um, discuss their possibilities in leaving the ACC. There is some reports that um, that it is believed they will approve some sort of legal filing today to try and basically find their way out of having to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to leave. Right. The contract runs through 20, what, 35? Yeah. According to Ross Dellinger, his thing about the fact that they're having this meeting today, he says it could cost upwards of like $600 million to get out. Um, but they are, but the, what they're expected to do, I guess, is explore these legal avenues and one person who covers Florida State said he he expects that they will what they will approve today in this meeting is a legal filing to try and uh, basically get find a way out without having to pay all of that money. But they don't have a spot to go yet. They don't have a place to well, go. No, I mean, they're, they're just no. kind of wrangling to see where they are. Yeah, again, I mean, if this is they're, if they're going the legal channel, this is something that's going to be a long process anyway. So you're, it's not like they're announcing they're leaving. They're just what they expected is they're they're looking at again approving some sort of legal filing to try and see is there a way out of this grant of rights and not have to pay again hundreds of millions of dollars to leave. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State, according to reports, near an affiliate deal with the WCC for all sports other than football. So that includes hoops, Oregon State, Washington State, to join the West Coast Conference. NBA, lots going on. Will the streak end today for the Detroit Pistons? They have lost 24 straight games. The record, you ask. Well, nobody asked, but I'll tell you anyway. Spanning over the course of two seasons, 2014-15, 2015-16, the Philadelphia 76ers lost 28 straight. Detroit's at 24 straight. Tonight, they host the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are 10-18, and 18, but they are 2-13 and 13 on the road. After tonight, they play the Nets twice. I'm talking about the Pistons now. Home and home with the, with the Nets. Then the Celtics. Then the Raptors. They lose five straight, five more. That would be 29. That would be the record. Does the streak end tonight against Utah? I uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't think you can expect the streak to end at any point. I didn't I say expect. Are it, you? It, it what is will. your guess, though? It it's going to end at some point. But at some point, we're all going to die. It, at some it, point, it's yes. going to be a surprise when it does. If you look at each game individually, you're not going to expect them to win one. The Los Angeles Clippers win again last night. They have won nine straight games. Remember the struggles as soon as they acquired James Harden? They were struggling. We were laughing at them. Everybody does that. We're instantaneous, uh, you know, reactionary people. And now all of a sudden they've gotten their act together. Yeah, Kawhi is on one right now. Kawhi has been going off. It's uh, He has been regularly over 30. Uh, Harden's Harden's numbers are really good during this stretch as well, but yeah, Kawhi is uh, Kawhi looks healthy and like and is playing some vintage Kawhi basketball right now. Speaking of going off, Joel Embiid another fifty point performance. He has been on a torrid streak. Goes for fifteen to uh, fifty. Tyrese Massey, I think, at thirty five. Sixers are nineteen and eight. Still a couple of games behind Boston, but Joel Embiid. 
MVP last year, certainly in the running again this year. When you look at the history of Philadelphia and the great players that have played for the 76ers, including the good Dr. Julius Irving, including Charles Barkley, Philadelphia has had a lot of great players. Moses Malone. Obviously, Wilt played for the Philadelphia Warriors, so he didn't play for the Sixers. Hal Greer, Hall of Famer. Billy Cunningham, the kangaroo kid. Allen Iverson. Where does Iverson fall? Uh, excuse me, where does Embiid fall on that list? Is he, He's closing the gap to be the greatest 76er ever, is he not? He's certainly moving up there. You start winning MVP awards and... Perennial first team or second team All NBA? Yeah, you uh, you move up in a hurry. He has to be moving up that list. I would imagine that uh, he certainly is. I know a, a lot of people from that era. They love the Sixers. And, you know, Sixers weren't my thing. NBA really growing up wasn't my thing. I like the Knicks and Earl Monroe. Who, by the way, I got a follow now from Earl Monroe on Twitter. I'm so on X. I'm so happy about that. It's a big big moment in my life. But anyway. Um, they are fans of the Sixers, and they, they just love Embiid, and they're ready to put Embiid at the top over Barkley and Malone and Dr. J and all that. I'm saying, hey, hold your horses, but he's, he's certainly getting there. Tonight, it is John Morant's home return. After what he did against New Orleans on Tuesday, what does he do for an encore tonight against the Indiana Pacers, the highest-scoring team in the NBA? If you like fireworks... You want to head on over to FedEx Forum. As I said, and I always say with John Morant, he is entertainment that comes in a explosive package. It is appointment viewing. You have to watch because you may see something you've never seen before, and you don't want to miss out, although you'll see it on highlights. You'll see it on SportsCenter. But tonight should be a lot of fun in John's return after the booze that came out for him. In New Orleans, a little bit surprising. The cheers will be obvious tonight. People standing on their feet, welcoming him back, and hopefully he can put on another show. The um, His over-under tonight is 30 and a half points. I would go over. For him to score 40 is plus 420. Take a shot, right? Uh, you know that's what DeMichael Cole mentioned yesterday that he was he was leaning that way. I said triple double. His triple, du- gosh, he's only plus seven hundred for a triple double. Tyrese Halliburton's plus thirty six hundred. Jaws plus seven hundred for a triple double tonight. That should be better odds. So I'm thinking you're going to get better odds, but I, I think he's going to get a triple double. Well, only because. The over-under tonight, by the way, 246 and a half. Yeah, they're playing Indiana, and it's a it's a scoring fest every time they play. So the thought is, yeah, he's going to accrue all those numbers, get to the triple-double mark, so they don't want to make the odds too, too much in your favor. But I just think it's going to be electric tonight at FedEx Forum. We had uh, given you away tickets uh, uh, earlier today and uh, earlier in the week, so we certainly hope uh, those who won enjoy the game tonight. Again, should be a lot of fun. Coming up in hour number three of the program, we turn our attention to college football and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour. We got a lot of bowl games to pick. We'll do that. That's coming up next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 